Hey guys, welcome back to the show and thank you so much for tuning in. If it's your first time here, I'm Lauren and this is Liam. Hello. And we have some pretty serious stuff to talk about. We're going to try to lighten things up with some fun stories as well, but overall, um, yeah, we, we have some things to go through. So first off, Cuties, the now infamous French film that I believe exploits children sexually, that's been released to Netflix. And spoiler, it's as bad as so many of us thought it was going to be. Then schools in the U.S. seem to be trying to defeat racism by propagating racism. It's a, it's a strange technique they're implementing. Uh, next, Oh, Canada. That's what I've decided to cleverly entitle this segment. We're going to be talking about the latest crazy stories from Canada. It's funny because like the anthem is Oh, Canada, but it's like, Oh, Canada, like, Oh, you. Yeah, I got it. Yeah, I got it like the first time you said it. And then the second time you said it didn't, Mm. you know, it didn't make it any better, frankly. (laughs) That's all I'll say. All right. I'm sure these people appreciate it, though. And then we're finally going to be talking about the hashtag all buildings matter. It was sort of a pushback to the all lives matter movement that was viral and trending on 9-11, which was yesterday. If you're watching this the day it comes out and uh, I have some thoughts about that. We also have some other people who are politicizing 9-11 in different ways. Just disappointing humanity sometimes. Like, I'm never shocked at the the levels people are willing to stoop to to make a political point, even if it's not a good one. And they're not. Yeah. No, I mean, what's more to say? Uh, 2020 is a black pill in year. Yeah, for sure. Um, I'm very much ready for 2021. But let's talk about cuties. So what is it? Several weeks ago, we did an episode about cuties, about the controversial poster and trailer that were released. And I was very skeptical. Uh, I was saying, you know, this I think is exploitation, although I did put the disclaimer, I hadn't seen it yet. Well, now it's finally been released. I think the premiere on Netflix was September 9th. And I was right. That's all. I, I was right. You know, there are people out there. Oh, I'm sure it wasn't. No, it's it's actually worse than what we thought. I, uh, I don't know about you all, but I've had clips showing up on my timeline that have made me so uncomfortable. Yeah, that definitely happened with me to the point that I was like, I didn't want to complain about it because I was like, there's some people need to be shocked. I think like, yeah, this needs to be seen to some degree because uh, it's a black pill. Yeah, exactly. And not for the reasons the director wants you to see it either, right. but to be like, this This was actually made, by the way, and it's now on Netflix mm-hmm. for that purpose. But yeah, it was all over my Twitter feed. And I was like, listen, I I don't want to I don't want to have to see this. I feel yeah. immoral just just knowing that it's there. You right. know? So that was kind of a tough one for me. Uh, definitely. That, that day on Twitter, I think, uh, you know, maybe Wednesday it was when this was going like viral. That. Yeah. yeah. So. And I mean, it, it is hard because as someone who pretty much I, I view my job as to try to highlight to you all the crazy things that are going on in this world. And a lot of times that does involve showing you things that I would rather not and that I would rather not exist. (laughs) But when it it comes to this footage, it's like, I don't, I I want you to be shocked and upset about it, but I don't even feel okay having it on this show. So, you know, we're not going to be showing the actual footage. If if you are curious, if you think we're over-exaggerating, you can find it. Well, obviously on Netflix, but also clips on Twitter. But we have here what the IMDb warning described these sensitive scenes as. And just listening to this, I am already repulsed. It says, for one of the parental warnings, during one of the many highly sexualized and erotic dance scenes that purposefully exploit and objectify numerous scantily clad underage girls, one of the female child dancers lifts up her crop top to fully display her bare breast. This is lawfully defined as pedophilia and can be extremely distressing to many viewers. Another trigger warning, IMDb 
gave was an 11 year old girl watches a female rap music video. By the way, viewer discretion for this segment, absolutely. Where naked women role play through dance, both heterosexual and lesbian acts. An 11 year old female dance group then mimics these sexual moves via on themselves and on each other while the camera zooms in on their sexual body parts as they erotically rither, writhe? I don't even know. This can be highly distressing to many viewers. And it, it just goes on like this. Um, there are many graphic scenes and not just that, but hearing people who've actually seen the film talk about it, there are also very inappropriate storylines where girls do things like post nudes on social media and, and things like that. And I, I was right. I, I knew this movie was going to be trash. There you go. But we shouldn't be surprised that, uh, you know, the liberal media and film critics, industry insiders, they love it. Apparently, there's been no shortage since this has been released of just your establishment media types coming out to defend this film. We have this piece from Forbes. Apparently, they believe the controversy over Netflix's cuties was outrageous, unfair, and incorrect. This author writes, debuting on Netflix this morning, Cuties is a good movie which condemns a popular culture that encourages girls to embrace overt and performative sexuality, then punishes them for it. But of course, in our mad online world, one in which depiction equals endorsement, the film became a firestorm of controversy after the initial poster was accused of being essentially pedophilia propaganda. This is what we keep hearing from the people defending this film. It's like, oh no, but the message is actually good. Yeah, that's that's one of the most confounding things to me because this is coming from Netflix, the company that fired one of their executives for dropping an N-bomb while saying that racism is bad. And to not say the N-word, right? Right, he, like he's, he, he said the N-word in order to say this is like the worst word ever. Right. This is the Voldemort word. And Netflix was like, under no context, can you okay? utter those noises? You're fired. But when it comes to, you know, exploiting uh, little girls sexually, 11 year old, yeah. they're like, all right, it doesn't matter. So, what's the what's the story behind it? Hang on. Yeah. I need some context here. It's outrageous. It's just, yeah. I mean, listen, I, like most people, I don't think dropping an N-bomb is exactly a, an action of any moral worth. I think it's, of course very, not, I think right? it's pretty bad. But this is definitely far worse in my mind. I, like, it's not even close. Yeah. I, I would agree with it. And I just, you know, everyone who's coming out to defend this film, they're always, they're talking about the artistic merits and all the director's vision. What I don't hear people talking about or defending are the child actresses who are put into this position. We don't hear anyone talking about what they went through, what their experience with this was, yeah. how they might feel 10 years from now looking back on what they were doing on camera at such a young age. They don't seem to care about that. Man, honestly, their parents need to be arrested. Like, that's the truth of it. They just need to be arrested because that's sick. Like, right. I mean, I don't know if they knew what they were getting into, to be fair, but you should know. And, I, and I, I, I'm always afraid when I see these child actresses right. that you're getting one of those toddler and tiara moms, mm -hmm. you know, that are pushing this stuff onto the child, living vicariously through them, as it were, and letting their child do things that really a child ought not to do. Mm -hmm. You know, but they're putting themselves almost in the child's shoes. It's just sick. And the entertainment, specifically film industry, is notorious for this. And actually, to your point, uh, we have someone from the Texas House of Representatives. I think his name is Matt Schaefer. He's actually calling for an investigation into the film on the grounds. This is from Bounding Into Comics that, quote, the film may violate child exploitation laws. I think yes. Absolutely, yes. I mean, there's their actual legal definitions of mm. pedophilia, which I think this absolutely fits. And I don't understand how this got through so many people, the writers, the directors, the parents, the editors, uh, you know, the distributors, Sundance. the publishers. Yeah, Sundance. I don't understand yeah. why it's taken this movie being released to Netflix to a North American audience for people to be outraged. Where were the Europeans, right? Because of, yeah. why weren't you all outraged if you're watching this? Let me know. Um, but yeah. 
We also have something terrible. Actually, no way. We have more from Forbes. It says, shock of shocks, cuties is about the very thing it was accused of propagating. Not unlike the controversy over Bloomhouse's The Hunt, it fell victim to our pre-release depiction equals endorsement era of cultural criticism. I keep hearing people say this. Um, oh, well, you know, this film depicts murder but you don't think it's pro-murder, do you? Well, if they actually killed somebody to film the no. murder scenes, I would, right? And so yeah. you- It wouldn't be a good thing. Would not be a good <laughs> thing, but this film, you, you can have whatever message you guys claim it has, but they actually sexually exploited children in the making of it. Yeah. That's what people are mad about. I don't care how good the storyline in the child pornography is. I care that it's child pornography. And whether or not it actually is legal definitions or no, I don't know. I'm not a lawyer, but I want to say that if it isn't, it should be. Right. Right. That That's what's important. I completely agree. And it was just, <clears throat> it's so uncomfortable, really. The scenes, I cannot stress how distressing they were. But uh, this person also says, and this boggles my mind. Yes, I would argue that the film is appropriate, TVMA rating aside, for young preteen girls as a thoughtful, empathetic melodrama. So, like, not only does this person say, like, oh, yeah, it's it's adult themes, but I think we can learn a message from it. They're actually saying, like, yes, just show this to young children as well, because, you know, it's not enough that they be participating in the exploitation. They also need to see it and think it's normalized. And it's just, wow. Yeah, where we are, where are we in society, to me, where not only are you allowed to, like, voice those opinions you get published actually rather mm -hmm. than like just the nearest men like just home in on you right and just take care of the problem because right. that's this guy is on a disturbing it's a male uh, author by the way um he's on a disturbing train of thought here i absolutely agree and the fact that not only would someone want to voice this publicly but like you said publish it to a platform where thousands of people are going to read it it's like all right we clearly we need more shame in this yeah. culture, right? It should not be acceptable to voice these opinions. And actually, no, this next piece from The Telegraph, this is even worse. They write, Cuties, Netflix review, a provocative powder keg for an age terrified of, listen to this, child sexuality. So like the mask has totally come off. It's not just slipped. It's like they've taken it off. They've thrown it to the side. Yeah. How, how can you write this and like see those words together and be like, this makes me look good. I'm going to I'm going to publish it. Yeah, I don't know. You know, like, sure, children do things that are inadvertently sexual. I think they don't like, you know, you're learning, you're growing up. Yeah, they don't is, understand. Huge, it. They're curious. Yeah, there's a massive difference between that, which is like a natural coming of age kind of right, thing. Part of growing things up. Out, and like adults putting you on camera and telling you to twerk. All to right. Do this or that. Simulate this sex act with your little friend. Now we're going to film it. Yeah, and a, and a plethora of other things that, frankly, you just you don't need to see. Mm -hmm. um, but you could if you wanted to with your Netflix subscription. Yeah. Um, which is wild. Yeah, I mean, they're, they're two totally separate things. Yes, child sexuality, it exists insofar as a coming-of-age thing, but it's totally different from what is depicted in that movie. That's all I'll say. Right. Yeah. We're not afraid of that at all. We right. understand it. It's a natural thing. What is being done here is an unnatural forcing of sexuality on children by adults right that's a perfect way to describe it and when i think of like you know children developing becoming curious it's it's completely okay for children to have questions about you know things like crushes dating even even sex if it's something that they bring up and as adults it's our responsibility to explain it in an age-appropriate way um without shaming them or anything like that but it, like like you said this is something artificial that's been put onto children by adults and yeah. it's disgusting. And actually, you know, these 
these couple of articles defending the film, they are by no means um, fringe. We have this Rotten Tomatoes right now at the time that we're recording this. This film has a 90% critic rating. Juxtapose, of course, with the 5% audience score. Thank you, people of Earth. Right. Um, minus that 5%, which I'm totally cool with, you know, rigor, like, uh, what's it, like... Uh, Frostbite, like you got to cut off some of it, right? Right. It is what it is. I mean, we can stand to lose 5% and still be pretty good as, you know, numbers wise as a society. I, mean, like, I think we could make it going work. on about pollution. Yeah. Yeah. You know, uh, kidding aside. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I'm disturbed that that has a 90%, 90% critic rating, but I'm not, I'm not entirely surprised, not. frankly. I mean, it literally did win in the Sundance Awards, right? Like right. It, it performed quite well and it continues to do so here under the name of... I don't even know. Like, is it supposed to be powerful, artistic? Moving. Um, I don't know. Powerful for women of color. And it's seeing yes. all of these people defend this film. And it's, it's not just that they think this film is good. It's also that apparently if you don't like this film, there's something wrong with you. You're the bigot. You're the prude. You're what's wrong with society. We have this person here, Aha Romano, who... Thankfully, I think she got ratioed. She posted a social media. Incidentally, I'm a critic who highly recommends Netflix's Cuties. It's a wonderful, poignant, challenging, and nuanced coming-of-age film, smartly crafted by a wonderful director. The controversy surrounding it seems to be propaganda fueled by QAnon types and anti-Semites. That's, that's what I don't understand. It's mm. like... Th and that's actually, that's almost like an anti-Semitic thing to say, the idea that opposing child pornography means you hate the Jews? <laughs> like, what are you trying to say? Yeah, I've seen that before. That's not the first time I've seen that, actually. Like, yeah. there, there was a like one of those anti-Pornhub posts, there was a lot of people saying that's anti-Semitic. So what like, the heck? Where are like, you coming from? That's meta. Yeah. But, yeah, I mean, that person, I think, is wild, right? And I mean, you've seen, I've seen that a lot, is they, they praise the director a lot, because you, as you'll find out in later tweets, uh, and slightly alluded to there, the director is a uh, WOC, mm -hmm. a woman of color. Uh, part of me wonders if the left's reaction to this movie would be different if it was like a white man. Absolutely. I mean, contrast this praise and everyone saying it's amazing. Remember how mad feminists were about Harley Quinn being in like booty shorts for Suicide Squad? Do you remember that was yeah, objectification? Yeah, that was disgusting. Are you kidding me? These are 11-year-old girls in even skimpier outfits doing way more sexually overt things than Harley Quinn ever did. But this is amazing? Like, are you serious? Yeah. No, it's, and it's it's really interesting to me how when it suits their narrative, i.e. when it's a film by a woman of color who with an immigrant background, then context matters. Then it's all about nuance and what the art means to say. But when it's someone like Count Dankula making a joke about a Nazi pug salute, then context doesn't matter. It's all about, I guess, what, what the actual thing is that determines yeah. whether it's acceptable or not. So huge double standards here. Uh, we also have this tweet from The New Yorker. The tweet was eventually pulled down, though the article, from what I understand, remains on the site. They said, Cuties, which has angered scandal mongers on the right, is the story of a girl's outrage at and defiance of a patriarchal order. Yeah. I mean... Yeah, that's what it is. <laughs> it's the patriarchy that, that doesn't want them to do that stuff, right? Yeah. Like, yeah. I mean, to me, it's, it's weird because it's clearly, I mean, yes... Feminism is, I think, pushing a lot of the stuff on them. Yes. So it isn't the patriarchy that's, you know, just stopping them from doing this. Feminism is pushing the stuff because they're anti-patriarchy in some ways. And it has to do with sexual liberation of women, I guess. And I think destruction of the family destruction and of the traditional family. values. It's like, yeah, you are rebelling against the patriarchy, I guess. Uh, but congratulations. Like, uh, yeah. you're a child pedophile now. 
<laughs> Pretty much. Um, we also have BuzzFeed staff, surprise, surprise, defending this defending this film. So here's a thread that was posted in response to one of the more concerning scenes from yeah. the movie. Uh, I think it was of them dancing as a, a troop of 11-year-olds just doing terrible things I wouldn't even feel comfortable watching an adult do, frankly. Uh, this person said, LMAO, this scene is taken totally out of context. W what context makes this okay? In my opinion, yeah. none. She says, this film made by a woman of color is the climax moment. The whole film is about how society, y'all, sexualize girls at such a young age and the damage it does. This is an important film. And it's That's kind of- That's great gaslighting, by the way. It is. Yeah. It totally is. Like, these are the people who are saying this is wrong and she's going off about how you guys sexualize girls. Yeah. Like, what? No, that's totally gaslighting. Yeah. 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 And I mean, it's, it's just an example of, and Travis Wester brought this up. This is their belief that the ends justify the means. Yeah. Right. So we see this in from the left all the time. Um, you can be violent and impose censorship if it's to prevent fascism. You can be racist. And we have a whole segment about this coming up if it's in order to stop white supremacy. Now we see that apparently it is okay to sexually exploit 11 year old girls as long as the message is that it's wrong to sexually exploit 11-year-old girls. She continued, also, LOL at how many of y'all haven't even watched it. I hate to break it to you, but you and the film have a shared common goal. I don't think we did. Because unlike the film, I personally did not audition 650 young girls by having them twerk and prance around with their clothes half off. I didn't do that. So I think I think me and the film have some differences. Yeah, and this is also, it kind of reminds me of like those those arguments of don't knock it till you try it. Yeah. It's like, no, there are many things. I don't need to try meth. Right. You know, you just I know there, it's bad. There are certain things that it's like, yeah, I don't need to, you know, get 11 year old girls to twerk. Yeah. On camera. I don't I don't need to do that. You know, I've got some kind of soul and moral mm -hmm. agency. She finishes off by saying, and if you guys think this is bad, you would be appalled at how much young girls love themselves on TikTok. This is just young girls loving themselves. I mean, we mm. see that based on the uh, the dance moves that they there's self-love going on. It's not the appropriate kind for children their age is the problem. And uh, so, of course, this caused a whole controversy online. Thank goodness I would be really upset if people just let it slide. Um, yeah. Trailer at the moment has over a million downvotes. And I think hashtag cancel Netflix was trending, at least in some areas. So after, I think, Days of Silence, we have this concerning a Netflix statement from Mary Margaret Olohan. I know I'm really bad with pronunciation, but she said, after days of silence following outrage over cuties, Netflix defends cuties, calling it social commentary against the sexualization of young children, an award-winning film, and a powerful story. We'd encourage anyone who cares about these important issues to watch the movie. I like how they keep hiding behind, oh, it won an award, as if we should be taking Sundance and, you know, Hollywood pedophiles as any sort of moral guideline to determine what is and what is not okay for children. Yeah. Unbelievable. I mean, from the people that were like, Pro Roman Polanski, right? You know, what what can I say? Like, yeah, yeah. get out of here. Seriously. Um. So we, I guess, we'll need to wait and see whether Netflix ultimately does leave the movie up or take it down. Do you think that they will? I'm. I think they're going to leave it up. I think they're going to leave it up. I too. think they're going to leave it up. Which um, is strange. I've also heard reports. Now, I don't, this is unverified. I don't know if it's true that they were preventing cancel Netflix from trending in certain places, which is like. Big if, tech if they actually collusion. did that, I'd actually be interested in antitrust like lawsuits. Oh, I wouldn't be surprised right? if that were the case. Um, anyways, I've, I've seen some people on Twitter infer that. I don't know mm -hmm. if it's true. But I did see a lot of hashtag cancel Netflix going around. It wasn't trending in my location, but you never know how their magic algorithm works. Right. right. 
No, for sure. All right. So next up, we have racism coming soon to a school near you. But first, I want to tell you all about our amazing sponsor, Gabby. And hopefully, I want to save you guys some money. So when you've had the same car insurance and homeowner's insurance for years, you kind of get trapped into paying your premiums and not even thinking about it because you're used to it. But you need to stop overpaying for car and homeowners homeowner's insurance. See about getting a lower rate for the exact same coverage you already have thanks to Gabby. So Gabby takes the pain out of shopping for insurance by giving you an apples to apples comparison of your current coverage with 40 of the top insurance providers, places like Progressive, Nationwide, and Travelers. Just link your current insurance account and in just minutes, you'll be able to see quotes for the exact same coverage you already have. So why pay money for coverage you could be getting for less? Just doesn't make sense. So go and check out Gabby. Gabby customers save $825 per year on average. That's like, that's huge. That's rent money, maybe for several months, depending where you live. And if they can't find you savings, then at least you'll be able to sit back and relax knowing that you have the best deal out there. Plus they will never sell your info. So no annoying spam or robocalls. It's totally free to check your rate and there is zero obligation. Take a few minutes right now and stop overpaying on your car and homeowner's insurance. Go to Gabby.com slash Lauren. That's G-A-B-I.com slash Lauren. Again, Gabby.com slash Lauren. Great way to potentially save money as well as support the show. Win, win, win. All right. So we've been talking about indoctrination in schools a lot, as well as like Mm. this whole critical race theory, critical race theory. Yes. thing for it is a mouthful it is definitely for years now and it just it seems like it's getting worse you see this stuff in schools all the time now i'm not even surprised when i see this yeah i mean it is interesting in some way just like how it's just been ramped up almost at an exponential rate mm-hmm. like before it would be like it's kind of unthinkable that like oh yeah you know in these social sciences some university professors are teaching like marx adjacent theories right but now it's like that's the like, norm. Like math. It's gone right. like, like it's not even about numbers anymore. Mm-hmm. You're literally going there and you, you have to say that you're a racist when you start the class. Yeah, sort of thing. So. exactly that. We actually have an example of that. Um, so as the school year starts to kick up, people have thankfully been sharing on social media all of the crazy things they've had to do. And uh, to your point, we have this from Rod Dreher. He said Northwestern University Law School had a town meeting online recently. Everybody began with a ritual denunciation of themselves as a racist and this is what the uh, the person who sent the screenshot in said professor spada i guess the person who whose class this is maybe is not a racist he's a wonderful wonderful man universally loved by students it makes me sad that he is forced to say otherwise and here we see yeah my name is emily i am a racist and a gatekeeper of white supremacy i will work to do better thank you all so much my name is sarah and i'm a racist i will try to do better i'm jim and i am a racist like it's that one that one i find is funny because it's not like disclaimer it's like like, what if he actually was a racist? <laughs> He's just like, finally, I could say it. I can right? say it and just be accepted. This is the norm now. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I mean, it is, it is kind of funny almost, like the amount of this horseshoeing that does go on between right. the far left and this, the, the racial segregation that they do in the name of uh, reducing racism. or Apparently. Qu- uh, question mark, question mark. I don't know. Yeah. Um, but 
Yeah, there's some more of that, actually, which is very interesting. Actually, I, I do want to get into this next one because this one fascinated me. Yeah, so we actually we have literal racial segregation. I think this is going on at the University of Michigan. So we saw this graphic yeah. going viral. There was an advertisement for a non-POC cafe on campus that they described as holding space for students that do not identify as people of color. Uh, about this, the school wrote, the non-POC cafe is a space for students that do not identify as a person of color to gather and to discuss their experiences as students on campus and as non-POC in the world. Like, what is the difference between this and, like, a Stormfront forum, essentially, then? I don't know. That's the funny thing. It's like, this could go either one of two ways, right? This is either a group of people that are, like, white white identitarians right. or something like that. Or more likely is this is a group of self-hating, like, like, the most self-hating people on the planet. Yeah. Like every half an hour, like some person of color will walk in and like put their PayPal down on the board and yell at them all. And they're like, they, they get off on it a little <laughs> bit. You know, that's kind of what happens here. I would imagine. If you go to, you know, Michigan and you feel comfortable, I would go and just like provide some opposition. Like these people have to get out of their circle jerk. I, this is, this is too much. There's only so much I can take. Um, so now and you may be thinking if you're watching this, all right, so they have the whites only yes. cafe, but where, where are the darkies supposed to go essentially? Right? No, I mean, that's not me saying that this is their philosophy. They have a BIPOC, BIPOC, black, indigenous, and people of color. Mm. So, so do I get to go to both? Yes. You know what I mean? No, Th that's, you can a, only... that's always one of those questions that I have. It's like, what do I do? Yeah. What do I do? Can I go to both? I've got some indigenous in me, by the way, but yeah. I'm mostly mostly European Irish. So I don't know. It's like, what's the that's what's the when deal they here? that's when they pull out the paper bag test, and because if you're if you're dark enough, then you're not white passing. Mm. So it's like literally the paper bag test. So I guess it depends on the time of year, because I get pretty tan sometimes. Yeah, as as we can see right here. I don't know if you can check don't, out that uh, check that farmer's tan. <laughs> I've got a nasty farmer's tan going. Yeah. So don't worry. The black people, non-white people, have their own space. Um, and this is from, I guess it's Dearborn's, uh, is that, yeah, University of Michigan, University of Michigan, Dearborn. This is from, it, it looks like their Instagram. It says, the BIPOC cafe is a space for student from marginalized racial slash, slash ethnic slash cultural communities. So they're pretty much saying you're non-white, you're marginalized. Uh, to gather and to relate with one another and to discuss their experience as students on campus and as people of color in the world, hosted by the Center for Social Justice and Inclusion. That's ironic because it's hosted by the Center for Inclusion and they're literally saying, if you're not the right skin color, <laughs> this is not for you. Yeah. Um, so enjoy. And we also have another one, another example. This one comes to us from Carlin Borisenko, who if you're not subscribed to and following, you really should be. This is from Lowell High School in San Francisco. They apparently are, according to Carlin, mandating their students take this anti-racism assessment. Their answers are not anonymous, meaning they will be logged and documented somewhere and probably used against the students later. So they need to identify what is an anti-racism statement. And um, I'm colorblind. I don't care if you're white, black, blue, or green is one of the answers. Uh, All Lives Matter is another one. And then the third option is Lowell's dress code discriminates against black students. I actually need to tell this to my community, or sorry, to my counselor and administration. Guess which one, and I already know the answer, they think is anti-racism. 
it's it's the one that acknowledges the oppression of black people. What is structural or systemic racism? Here, a society that is designed to unfairly discriminate against certain races while benefiting other races. Or another answer is refers only to the economic structure in our society where people of color and other minority groups often earn less money. Or finally, only refers to our criminal justice system. So I guess they think it's just everything. Yeah, it's like if there is a stipulation to the power of racism in North America, like it only affects this much. It's like, no, impossible. It's it needs to be everything. Yeah. Everything. It's the explanatory factor of all things. Literally. It is It is the god of the gaps. It, yeah. Like, that's the same argument that they apply. You know, every single little factor that can't be... Explained. Like, like some difference between yeah. population groups, it is because of racism. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's, that is like a Marxist interpretation, the assumption that everything and all things should be equal innately. Right. It's like they've taken the labor theory of value and just transported it to people in general. Like it, it makes no sense. But these last two questions are what concerns me most, especially because they're these answers are public for the students. It says, do you feel black and brown people are treated differently at Lowell? Yes or no. Is the woke thing to say yes, because yes. even Lowell itself is racist. Yeah, well, literally, I mean, they were ratting themselves out by saying like, the only correct answer to the previous question was that our dress code is racist. Yeah. So, so it's the same thing here. The answer is, if you want to give the correct answer yes. uh, per, to the school, they want to hear yes. That the school is racist. And yeah. finally, is, quote, being not racist enough to improve our Lowell community? Yes or no? They want. I'm guessing they want to hear no. They want to hear no. It's This is, yeah, that, that is disturbing stuff. If, if it is indeed not anonymous, yeah. that is, um, get your child out of that school immediately. Exactly. I mean, you know, and even even if it was anonymous, get your child out of that school immediately. Right. Send in the police, you know, basically. But no, essentially. And we have um, this from someone else on Twitter in our son's elementary school. Let me repeat elementary school. Here's a sign. It looks like for the administration office saying we believe black lives matter. Women's rights are human rights. No human is illegal. Science is real. Love is love. Uh, kindness is everything. And. I mean, kindness is everything is fine, but the, the other things are absolutely political statements. So that being in an elementary mm. school, I just, who who thinks that's appropriate? I, I really don't know. And what, what I'm yeah. wondering is that it was recently announced that, and this is amazing, the Trump administration would be withholding federal funds uh, or kind of saying that they will not fund any critical race theory training program within the federal government. Yes. And so- Terrific stuff. Absolutely. One of the most important things he could do at this point to combat all of this craziness. But my question is, when we see public schools and, you know, universities with this type of thing, I think there should be budgetary uh, consequences, right? Because, Mm -hmm. I mean, you know, a lot of it depends on state. Some of these schools might be private, whatever. But anywhere there is federal funding going toward schools that promote this stuff, it should be cut. It should absolutely be cut. Yeah. I mean, I completely agree. And I do think that this is... Among the more important things that Trump can actually tackle. Right. So I'm very happy to see him doing so. I will say, if I were a parent, I would say thank you for at least letting me know that you're insane. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it's it's on a sign in your office. So I know right away. my kid has to leave. You right. know, there's no other option because this is indoctrination. And, uh, you know, there's, there is no limits to what they're going to teach my child, especially if my child happens to look a little bit more white than not. Mm-hmm. Right. And I, I, I don't want to know how they're going to be treated. And they might say, well, this kind of discrimination accounts for the discrimination of the past. It's like, no, right. No, thank you. And, and that's that, that 
we even need to worry about that is like, wow, if my kid, and if this is relevant because like we're kind of a mixed couple, like if our kid looks too white, are they going to be taught to hate themselves and just filled with white guilt? Or if they look too ambiguously ethnic, are they going to be told that they're a victim and that they should hate the white people and yeah. that society hates them? It's like, I don't want either of those things. And frankly, in a society that puts so much, you know, value on your racial makeup, I don't know, a child that is... <laughs> You know, if we're 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 both mixed, right? Mm -hmm. You're half Chinese, half Irish, more or less. Yeah, I'm a mix of uh, I'm mostly Irish, but a mix of many things. It's like, what does a child that's kind of like, yeah, you know, a real kind of mix of everything? What, what do they, sins do they inherit from? Yeah, their or where do they like? Just what place do they have in the in a world where it seems like everything has to be literally black, black or, or white? white. Yeah, yeah, it, it is. Uh, you know, if if I already think about that stuff, like you know, and I I don't. I don't take my racial identity seriously. Mm -hmm. I, uh, you know, a child growing up in this world, I can imagine it being an actual cause of, uh, of stress and struggle. No, for sure. And if if nothing else you get from this segment, homeschooling, right? If possible, I know it's not for everybody, but yeah. homeschooling, if you can, I know numbers are skyrocketing in the US and Canada at least. And it's like, Laurel Springs, check it out. Mm -hmm. uh, okay, so next, a little bit of a lighter issue. We're going to be talking about, oh, Canada. Oh, Canada. And it's, it's kind of frustrating. That's very clever. I like that one. Thank right? you. I oh. appreciate that. Mm. Um, but it's, yeah, you know, we are in Canada right now. And in a lot of ways, Canada is a great country, very high standard of living, very happy to be here, especially when you look at around the world, how much violence and poverty is still happening. But yeah. with that being said, um, Canada, like much of the rest of the Western world is in a position where I think gradually and sometimes not so gradually, civil liberties are being taken away in the name of this social justice ideology. And it really, it saddens me to say this, but I don't know if in the future our children will have as good, uh, you know, of a standard of living as we do or as many freedoms as we do. And I think a yeah. lot of people, you know, Australia, UK, US probably feel it too. Um, so we have a collection of stories here just to give you a sense of what's going on in Canada. And, you know, it's it's funny. And I was telling you this earlier. I go back and forth as to which is further along the, the descent. Is it Canada or the U.S.? Yeah. Because all of this wokeness, like Americans, you're responsible for it. You started it. Yes. Right. And but you export it. <laughs> you totally do. I mean, I mean, it is a tribute in some way to how powerful America is as the cultural center of the world. Yeah, right? I mean, they're a hegemon in every way, including yeah, culture I mean, and politics. Particularly like uh, Hollywood and those, yeah. those kind of places where, I mean, yeah, all you got to look at is um, the worldwide protests after, I can't believe I forget his name right George now. Floyd. George Floyd. There were George Floyd killed. protests in Belgium. Yeah, like across Europe. Yeah. Right? There were some here in Canada as well. And right. places that just do not have the you know, the racial history that mm -hmm. America has. I mean, uh, yes, yeah, so a lot of our countries have had uh, in-group preferences and battles among other groups, including the bloodiest wars between European countries. Right. But nothing like the American kind of uh, slavery system. Right. And yeah, to see that worldwide happening in Canada in particular was strange. Yeah, well, actually, it's it's gotten to the point now where there's, there's Black Lives Matter in Montreal, in Toronto, right? Uh, yeah. Antifa as well. These really are like global movements. And, you know, for better or worse, I think a lot of it has to do with online commentary. And, it, you know, it's kind of yeah. great because people who have, you know, ideas like you might be having if, if you watch this, um, you can not feel as alone 
at, you know, if you're in somewhere like Canada or the UK and you feel like the politics go completely against what you believe, hopefully you can come here and be just reassured that you are not the crazy one. But on the other hand, it, it gives people who are extremists uh, a method of disseminating their views. Yeah. And we see that, uh, you know, the whole to- toppling of statues has come to Canada. Uh, we have. And I would a- like to say on that note, though, that normally, you know, uh, sunlight is the best disinfectant, we would say. But that's very hard to combat ideas when you're being suppressed from <laughs> yes. every major platform. Yes. So, yeah, these ideas are spreading pretty rapidly uh, because they're they're being propped up by big a, tech, you know, a huge an establishment. Monop- media. Yes, exactly. This yeah. alliance, this unholy alliance of, you know, neo-Marxist critical theory. Yeah, it's proponents. like they have education, academia, they have the media and they have entertainment. So yeah. it's really, you know, they and they have, you know, big tech platforms now. Um, but we have this piece from the Westphalian Times, and uh, I, I know some of the people who are behind this site, and they send me all of these crazy stories about Canada, and it's crazy because, you know, the the media is very left wing in Canada. Mm-hmm. I mean, same thing in the U.S. So it's like if if not for these independent places, you wouldn't even he- you wouldn't even know how bad things are getting because it, the mainstream media doesn't want to talk about what makes their side look bad. But uh, in Montreal, Black Lives Matter actually destroyed a 125 year old uh, McDonald's statue. So for your, for not those, Ronald. yeah, not Ronald. For those of you who are not familiar, Sir John A. McDonald was a Canada's first prime minister. Largely considered like kind of like a founding father figure. Yeah. Like connected our, the country. Our George Washington sort of. Yeah. Yeah. Well, he didn't pass the uh, BLM litmus test of being anti-racist enough. So people in Montreal thought, you know what? He's got to go. They toppled the statue, beheaded him, put graffiti on the statue. And apparently police just sat by and let it happen, which is very disappointing. Although I think the uh, the premier of Quebec said he was going to reinst- reinstate the statue. Uh, next, we also have something which, I mean, I already hate the concept of taxes, but hearing stories like this really just, it's salt in the wound. Apparently in Canada, um, the CBC, which is by the way, state run media, it means taxpayers fund this. They are in the business of advising Canadians on which sex toys they should use. So that that hurts. And by the way, we just finished putting in our taxes and it feels great to know that I'm funding this. This piece says Michel Boileau, the author of the CBC piece, also wrote other questionable stories such as tips for raising an eco-conscious kid. CBC posted an infographic linking to Boileau's piece on Instagram. The piece provides important insights. It says one thing you might not have at the top of your mind when shopping is where you want to put your toy and how those parts of the body function differently. I mean, it's, it's good that we have... Finally, someone on the internet talking about sex, right? I'm glad the Canadian government has stepped into that emptiness that was currently going on. And Justin Trudeau, Prime Minister Blackface, of course, he has promised them an additional $150 million in base funding per year. Without surprises, the state-owned media has returned the favor with overwhelmingly positive coverage of the Prime Minister. Funny how that happens. Hmm. And it says, even with an audience of barely 300,000 Canadians, taxpayers continue to fund CBC with over a billion hard-earned dollars through taxation. If you're an American and you're not familiar with the CBC, um, it's kind of like NPR, i.e. their content sucks. It's really bad, right? There's a reason why they need taxpayer money to prop them up is because people don't want to watch them. But for a billion dollars, honestly, if I'm funny that, I want to see like Avengers tier production and movies and entertainment coming out. 
right? I don't want to see freaking Little Mosque on the Prairie. <laughs> I want to see some actual yes. good entertainment. That's an actual show name, by the way. Yeah, it didn't last for very long, but... Who would have thought? Yeah, I don't want to see just pro-sex toy, pro-environmentalism propaganda. Yeah. Yeah, and then finally, just we are living in clown world. Trudeau government has said that they will actually start paying children to promote a healthy diet. It says a Blacklock report notes that the four-year campaign is aimed at promoting the Canada Food Guide and its various recommendations, notably to drink tap water and to eat vegetables, seeds, and nuts, though the budget for this initiative has not yet been revealed. So like we're just pretty much removing any need for parents. It's like the government's yeah. gonna tell you what to eat and drink. Canada has a big dairy cartel problem. I wouldn't be surprised <laughs> if they're I hate big dairy in Canada. Like that's the thing I'm really it is, it is it is a Canadian problem because it's like I like yes. I really like dairy. But I, but the big dairy lobby this this is a problem. Yeah they, the dairy cartel as, as some say. I think like the average Canadian ends up spending four hundred dollars more per year because of Canada's protection toward the dairy industry. Because otherwise like cheap milk from Wisconsin and stuff would just be flowing in. Yeah, well, that's we, but we actually, it's not even that we have like a federal dairy lobby. It's like we can't even trade milk with, Ontario, like Quebec and Ontario, different provinces cannot exchange milk. Can't exchange, yeah. Which would literally be unconstitutional if we were in America, but it's okay. I, I'm so mad at stuff like that. Yes. I don't even drink milk. I just don't like that I have to fund big dairy. It's an actual issue of contention in Canadian politics. But uh, let's turn our eyes back to the U.S. because, of course, yesterday, if you're watching this uh, when we first launched, was the anniversary of 9-11, uh, 19 years now. And, I mean, I, I still remember where I was on 9-11, and mm. I think I was six years old at the time. And I didn't really understand what had happened or the gravity of it or what it meant geopolitically, you know, because I was six, but I just remember all of the adults were on edge. Everyone, like I could tell the mood, something had yeah. happened. And that's why I remember that day. It's because it was a, there was a really grim atmosphere and mm -hmm. I could feel it. Yeah, even up here in Canada. I mean, listen, I won't pretend I understood the gravity of the day when it happened. I was yeah. a young kid. I was in Hong Kong at the time. My teacher was crying at the time yeah. when the news happened. Uh, that was the only thing that really stood out in my mind. Um, obviously, only being about six years old at the time. Forgive me for not uh, yeah. knowing better. But that was, yeah, it was it was something that I do remember to this day just because you knew that all the adults knew how, like, you, you could, it was contagious. Yeah, like, you, know, you, you you maybe didn't understand it, but you could tell that all the adults were worried. Something, and Something bad had happened, yeah. Exactly. And I just, like, even now when I think the number is in the 3,000, 3, something like that, um, like, that, that gravity, it's really shocking. Like, now we have smaller scale terrorist incidents which are still terrible yeah but i mean just the scale of what happened that day it's it really is hard to wrap your mind around it um and of course there was you know there were a lot of beautiful meaningful tributes on social media and from a lot of politicians but because this is 2020 and we just we cannot have nice things or just a heartwarming unifying moment where everybody like all Americans and really every you know people from around the world as well because I think on that day a lot of people really did feel for the US I was in Hong Kong at a British school the day it happened and even my my teachers were you could tell they this was still 3000 lives that were lost but no now it's 2020 it needs to be about division and just I got to say insufferable rhetoric, there was a hashtag all buildings matter that was trending on social media. And I'm sure you can already guess what it refers to. Mm -hmm. I mean, obviously, the all buildings matter for those of you that, that don't know, it's, it's a response to 
all lives matter right. that used to be trending. It, you know, something that we're talking about black lives matter. And then you just compare that with, you know, they're, they're talking about just black people being hunted down in the street and yeah. what have you by like some kind of like a racial, like, I don't know, like death squad, death squad that's yeah. like has some kind of quota. You know, and they're saying that 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 is the reality of the world. All Lives Matter was was a a response a to response saying to that saying that yes, yeah, we agree, Black Lives do matter, and, and so does everybody else. Yeah. So w- the way I see it, and I've heard people say that All Lives Matter is a distraction from Black Lives Matter. I disagree. I believe that All Lives Matter is a rebuttal to Black Lives Matter because I think a lot of the people who say hashtag All Lives Matter, they're not trying to distract from Black deaths. They're, they take issue with the core message that Black Lives Matter is saying, that these people were hunted down because yep. they were Black. Mm-hmm. So I've seen people say hashtag All Lives Matter as a way to say, we agree police reform should happen. We agree that uh, you know police brutality is bad. Let's have a conversation. Let's talk about things like crime and you know, the, the correct way that officers and civilians need to interact with each other. But the data does not show yeah. that the majority or even a large amount of these shootings are racially motivated, mm-hmm. uh, you know, just innocent black people. That's, that's the important part right there. Right. The data does not show. Like reality does not correspond to that idea. Right. Reality does not correspond to the narrative that Black Lives Matter is putting out. Mm-hmm. By contrast, there is a reality <laughs> that, that 9-11 happened. 9-11 happened and those two buildings that we're, we're specifically focusing on today where thousands of American people were killed of all right. of all races, by the way. Um, that did happen. And, and we take a special moment to commemorate that, um, you know, particularly in the States, but even in the across across, across the world. Yeah. You know, it, it was a tragic day that happened you know, in especially one of our closest allies here as a Canadian, at least. Especially, um, you know, the World Trade Center, what it represented was kind of, you know, international yeah. business as well. There are a lot of the people who were working there, you know, they were part of MNCs, like even the planes that crashed in. Um, and 9-11 has had global consequences. And I don't want to detract from what it means specifically to Americans, but I think regardless of where you come from, 9-11 should have some sort of meaning yeah, to you, some yeah. sort of It did change the world. Absolutely. It absolutely did. Um, but here we have some posts that I want to go to just because I, it boggles my mind that people could be this insensitive and ignorant and just all the bad things. This person, Bishop Talbert Swan said, it can't be the same people who've been callous and apathetic about 195,000 people dying of coronavirus saying, so what, the flu kills people every year, complaining about the hashtag all buildings matter hashtag, can it? And it's like you, I don't, there's so many things that are wrong with that because like again, 9-11 was a terrorist attack that was specifically targeting one of the biggest symbols of, you know, American nationalism, exceptionalism, the American economy, everything. People who say, well, I don't know if coronavirus is, you know, as deadly as people thought because, you know, the mortality Mm -hmm. rates, like, that is not the same thing. No. And dismissing 9-11 in order to own people who are anti-locked, I I don't understand. Yeah, I mean, to be fair, there is a fine line of being, you know, very critical about the coronavirus kind of handling and its impacts. And I'm definitely, I've been one of those people since, since like pretty much day one that it was announced there would be a virus. Um, if anybody who knows me knows, but uh, obviously there could be a tendency to be apathetic because of those numbers. And yeah, we shouldn't be apathetic about the losses of those people. But I think like, again, this is another false equivalency. I mean, he's like, 
yeah, we're doing this to sh- to, to 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 own you, to show yeah. you this is basically what you're doing, and that's not the case. Right, not it's definitely all. not. Another person says, "I'm so upset that we don't raise awareness for these buildings." Hashtag All Buildings Matter, and it says, "Never forget the Twin Towers with them circled," and then the image below says, "But all buildings matter." Okay, this again wrong for several instances. Trying to compare all buildings matter to all lives matter, like Black Lives Matter, like we said. It's just not the case. You're factually incorrect if you believe that police systemically hunt down innocent black people for no reason other than their skin color. 9-11 did happen. And like all buildings matter, those buildings are still standing. There are white people, conversely, who are also gunned down by police and actually studies show at a greater rate, even when we take into account um, higher rates of police interaction with African-Americans. So like you're wrong on so many levels. I actually, it's hard to know where to begin. We have another one saying, all these people pissed about hashtag all buildings matter. Trending on 9-11 better keep the exact same energy when all lives matter is brought up when discussing racial inequality. I mean, so they're, they're essentially like holding your emotions hostage at this point saying like, yeah, this thing that you care about that the whole country should care about, I'm actually gonna be a dick and disrespectful even though it should impact me as well until you ideologically agree with my political yeah. position. Yeah, I mean, I mean, there, there has been a lot of people saying that this should be a moment where we can actually get together and unify that, you know, as a country 19 years ago, yeah, uh, you know, Americans can get together and say, you know, at the end of the day, we're all we're all American, right? And we have to mourn this loss as a group. But you actually have some people that I think genuinely just at this point hate America. At this point, I don't think yeah. they care about a lot of those people that died, particularly because yeah, the majority of them were white. Mm-hmm. Um, so you know, uh, we're at a pretty far gone state because nine eleven for so long was you know a very sacred date, probably right. you know last year even. Right. Like, that's how fast this is going. No, for sure. And uh, we have another <laughs> another post to the entire Miracle Whip posse being all solemn and somber today because apparently, you know, respecting 9-11, wanting to memorialize it, that's that means you're white. It says, remember that yes. the next time you feel like telling black people to, quote, forget about or get over slavery, lynching, brutalization, dehumanization, and oppression. I have not seen anyone saying that we need to forget about slavery, but how how... Let, let me try to put this in a way that, I mean, what is what is that phrase you used once? Beach ball brains, you know, smooth brain to the oh, extreme. Yeah. These beach ball brain people would understand. How, how would it play if this random person were to act like they were actually a victim of 9-11? It, would, it wouldn't be good, right? That's not a thing you should do. Yet conversely, activists who are all up in critical race theory, they constantly act like they themselves were victims of slavery, right? And I, I don't know any conservatives or anyone on the right, anyone at all who thinks that we shouldn't mourn and, you know, victims of lynching and things like that. But it's like, I'm sorry, you don't get to say you were a victim of that because you weren't. Just Mm -hmm. like, I don't know, a random conservative shouldn't get to say that they were a personal fatality in 9-11. Like this, this shouldn't be hard. And uh, last thing I want to talk about, Project Project Lincoln is this essentially a group of never Trumpers on their period. I don't know another way to describe it. People like Rick Wilson, they are insufferable. Um, one of their 
workers, I don't know what his position was, he tweeted out one of the worst takes of the day, quickly deleted it, but as always, the internet doesn't forget. Ron Steslow said, every day real Donald Trump remains president is equivalent to one of the World Trade Center towers falling on 9-11. By the way, this wasn't just some tweet we were digging out from 10 years ago, which would have been really bad because more recent, but no, this was put out this year. Like, this was something... Yeah, it was put out uh, on 9-10. Yeah. Right? I mean... To me, that this is one of those funny ones where, like, a lot of people have attributed every death that has happened uh, from COVID to Trump Donald himself. Trump, yeah. Whatever you think of Trump, like, like him or hate him, that's a ridiculous position. As if, if you're gonna blame anybody, first of all, it's China. Yeah. Like, I hate to say it, but yeah. that's that's what it is because that's where the virus came from. If you had to blame anybody, but even then, let's say we don't do that and we just say that it's a virus that happened. If Joe Biden was president. Would, or or Hillary Clinton, yeah. would there be zero American deaths yeah. and from, also, from COVID? I don't know. I also Seems love unlikely. how they overlook the fact that the majority of deaths are in blue states. Places like New York, right? We're yeah. the hotbeds. So somehow it's Trump's fault that Cuomo wanted to put COVID patients in retirement homes. Mm. Like, okay, makes sense. And then, of course, the Lincoln Project, so that's the actual organization, put out this slimy tweet. They said, there has been a tradition where political ads are pulled down on 9-11. I think that's, you know, respectful because like yeah. you said, on that day, the country should be united because even though it was only the World Trade Center that was affected, if those, you know, the terrorists had had their way, they would have targeted all Americans. And I yeah. think that's what the effort was. They continue, but never before have we had a president who attacked the men and women who rose to defend our country, calling them suckers and losers. This ad is necessary to remind Americans of the character of Trump. And yeah, they just essentially have a political ad talking, smacking Trump, uh, overlaid footage of the 9-11 wreck and site, which yeah. is one of the most disgusting things I can imagine. And uh, we have this piece. This is an opinion piece from NBC News. It says, 9-11 anniversary highlights Trump's failures as America faces a new crisis from within. This author says 9-11 wasn't just an attack on American citizens. It was an attack on the very idea of American democracy. That democracy is under attack again today, not just from a foreign adversary, of course, Russia, or a foreign-born virus, but from behind the very desk where presidents since Rutherford B. Hayes have made life and death decisions. So this person is actually calling Donald Trump the equivalent of 9-11. And that's NBC News, right? Yeah, I mean, NBC so News. NBC News is not news, but that is also not news. We knew this for a while. That's, it's, um, it's disturbing stuff, but at the same time, I think the title was right. Yeah. You know, because this 9-11 anniversary did show that, like, the division in America is at, I think, an all-time high. You know, people that were looking to for, like, Unity 2020, Brett Weinstein, yeah. what have you, I think they would be alarmed at seeing that even this, even on this day, America cannot come together. And that bodes, I think, ill. So this is an important moment to actually look around and recognize that... Um, you know, t just take everything into stock, maybe make plans, <laughs> whatever it is, like, you know, financially, otherwise, just uh, be aware that the country is and, and the West in general is in a state uh, that is concerning and potentially leading to bigger problems. Yeah. Um, that's, you know, it, it, it's it's a sad reality. Uh, part of me also, I'm, I'm so blackpilled this year that I'm like, you know, they're saying this is a huge threat to democracy. Part of me has just taken the pill of like, I don't know if it ever existed at this point. It seems like all of our opinions are prescribed to us through the media anyways. Right. It's coming to light uh, quite substantially through what's happening with this kind of 
you know, right wing media versus left wing media and just the control of the two narratives on each side. It's it seems to me that a lot of our votes are controlled anyway. So yeah. I, I don't know. I'm I'm an, uh, like I like I said before, 2020 has been a long year. I'm tired. As you could tell sometimes on these podcasts, I'm, I'm ready for 2021. Yeah. But uh, the my favorite part of this op-ed is this last part. Donald Trump represents an ex existential threat to our constitution, our security, and our health. That's why hundreds of my fellow former Bush administration officials have openly pledged to support his Democratic opponent in November. I can think of no better endorsement for Trump than the fact that former Bush administration officials are yeah. now supporting Biden. I agree, especially when you take it into like 9-11. Right, right. right. <laughs> like... Um, but to, like, to your point, I just want to quickly touch on this. Like the idea that the media controls democracy, I absolutely agree. And just like looking through social media posts on 9-11, I am gobsmacked at the number of people who actually think that the U.S. invaded Iraq because of 9-11. Mm -hmm. Like whether or not you agree with the invasion, I, I don't. Um, the impetus for that was the WMDs, right? And the IAEA and Saddam and the threat of nukes. It, it wasn't 9-11. Like, this is recent history. The fact that we've already kind of gone back and rewritten what happened because of the media. Yeah is shocking like this was this was within our lifetimes and mm -hmm. you've forgotten the at least prescribed reason for an entire war yeah that's bad yeah that's i mean really we know bad. that the intel wasn't accurate now but they didn't know that at the time and right. that was what happened that was the impetus for going into the middle east but this is like everything to me it's just that let's be honest i mean the people that watch this show and other political shows are generally exceptional in the sense that they are a small percentage of the population, relatively speaking, mm -hmm. that goes out of the way to become politically educated. You know, whether and, and, and even then it's like, you know, we, we just want to hear our own ideas reinforced most of the time. Um, the other group, the other group of people are just happy to watch sports or whatever it is and just, yeah. you know, live their lives. And I just, yeah, it's uh, it's scary, though, because they still because they vote. Yeah, that's all. So. So I guess on that black pill note, we're going to we're just going to leave you to stew in it all. Uh, thank you so much for watching, though. And as always, we will, we will see you next time. Bye.